Father, I pray that you'll help us with this. What we're just talking about right now and singing to you about is that uh, setting our heart on you. So many of us struggle, all of us, let's just be real about it, all of us struggle with setting our things, our hearts on the things of this earth and not on the things above. And when we do that, we know we fail you. We know that we disappoint you. We are people who want to do what pleases you, Lord. And I'm just thankful for your long suffering with us. So awesome this morning as I was reading in in the book of Revelation, how when you were writing to the seven churches, all but two of those churches had issues. You were like, I have an issue with you. And yet what's so awesome about you, Father, is that you don't take us and just throw us out on some kind of trash pile somewhere because we disappointed you or we disobeyed you or we came up short somehow. Even one of those churches, you said, I have an issue with you. You're almost dead. But your very next words were, so wake up. So I ask today that you will wake us up, that you'll help all of us not to be stuck in the past of the things that we have done and the ways that we have disappointed you, but that we would reset ourselves today, that we would wake up our souls and wake up our hearts repent of those things that we have done that are not in line with your word and what you have commanded us to do and that we would reset our lives and set our hearts on you, on the things that are above and that we'll do the things that are of eternal importance. And so I pray that as we open your word now that, and set our hearts on your word that you'll set your spirit on our hearts to change us, to open up our our minds and our hearts to the things that need to be changed. We submit ourselves to you right now. And so help us, Lord, because we need your help. Help us by your Holy Spirit. And we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Um, You ready to set your heart on the word today? Um, If you are, then let's go to take our Bibles and let's go to the book of 1 John, chapter 4. As we continue in our study here, um, will the real Christians please stand up? And 1 John 4, verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another. Today's message is a continuation of last week where we're learning to love like God. Verse 7 again says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Last week, we looked at the first lesson uh, that we need to learn. Lesson number one is that loving like God isn't self-taught. You can't make it happen by yourself. You can't dig down deep inside your heart and, and bring it up to the surface because if you dig down deep in there, it's not there. It doesn't, it doesn't live deep inside of us until we become saved by the love of the Father. And so it's not something that comes from inside of us. The love John is speaking about that we're supposed to love each other with, we, we learned last week, is agape love. God's love. We can, we can bring to the surface 
phileo love. We can bring to the surface eros love. We can bring all of that to the surface, but the only way that we can bring the love of God to the surface is if we're in Jesus Christ and we have been saved by God's love. That love is this. The definition is it's selfless and it's self-sacrificing. It's you before me, unconditional, lifetime love. That's how we're supposed to love each other. But we all know, right, right? We all know that we can't do this on our own, that we need help. And so thank the Lord that we have a God who loves us enough to help us in our infirmities and helps us with our weaknesses. And so we learned last week that God helps us love we talked about the fact that it's hard to love like this because we are bent towards selfishness. Right out of the womb, we're selfish individuals and we're looking out for ourselves and we want for ourselves and we think that the whole world and everyone around us exists for our happiness and our satisfaction. And so we have a problem with that. But how hard is it to love other bent people also? See, we're, we're, not, <laughs> we're not called to love perfect people. That would be easy. We're called to love imperfect people that are just like us, people who are bent towards selfishness. We talked about the fact last week that with man, this kind of thing that we're talking about is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You can't, but he can. And because he will and he wants to, then you can. In fact, 1 John 4, 7, the second half of the verse says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. In other words, because you're in Christ, you can love like this. How awesome is that? So God helps us with this thing called love, and the next thing that John showed us is that God shows us how to love. God shows me love. Verse nine says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. We see it in what he did to demonstrate his love to us by sending his son. He gave his best that's how he modeled it for us. He spared no expense, and God made the move on our behalf. He doesn't wait. How happy are we that God didn't say, when you're ready, you can come to me, or when you get your act cleaned up, you can come to me? No, God makes the move, and that's the illustration of love. God comes to those who don't deserve it, and he shares the love with us. He comes to those who didn't earn it, and he shares his love with us. God made the move on our behalf. He showed us the way of selflessness. He shows us the way of sacrifice. He actually modeled for us unconditional you before me love by giving his son Jesus. Verse 10, look at it. says, this is love. Not that we love God, that's impossible. We've already determined that. But that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. All right, we're caught up now, okay? So that was a quick overview of last week. Now we're gonna jump into the second lesson. You ready? Okay, five of you are ready. I hope the rest of you catch up somehow. All right, here we go. Lesson number two, loving like God is commanded by God. Look at verse 11 with me, 1 John 4, 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In fact, you might say it like this, God makes me love. Hmm. How many of you don't like to hear that? How many of you have, you have the personality that if you hear God makes me love, you're like, well, I don't think I like that. 
Thank you, sister, for that confession. I think we all have a little bit of that in us. You don't like to be told something. You don't like to be made to do something. But the reality is God commands us to love. This is the lesson, that God commands us to love each other, and it's right here in this verse. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Now, do you all agree that the church ought to be the most loving place on the planet? I mean, sometimes we get this response, and I love it because we have a great guest services team or our first impressions team that are out there making people feel welcome from the parking lot to the pew, and they do an awesome job, and every once in a while, we'll get a a note that comes in that says something like this, wow, I came here for the first time and felt so welcomed and felt so loved and felt so accepted and I felt so cared for. I've never experienced that before. Now, praise God that our team's doing a great job, right? Right? Praise the Lord for that. But what bothers me is the last part of that note that says, I've never experienced love like this before. That's really sad because the church ought to be, a, that ought not be some kind of anomaly. That, ought, that should be something that happens in every single church all around the world that you walk into that church for the first time and you feel welcome and you feel loved and you feel accepted and you feel cared for and you feel a part of something that you've never felt like a part of before just by walking in because that's what the church is supposed to be about. This is what this whole love one another thing is. That's the result of God's people loving each other and when you walk in, that ought to be the normal thing. The church ought to be a place where you can be sure that after taking all that the hostile, evil world had to give you out there this week, that you can walk in and feel love and acceptance unconditionally in here. Amen? 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 You need to catch this because this is your responsibility and mine. God's plan is that people are loved in his church, but we're the ones doing the loving by obeying his commands to love one another. Look at it again. Since God loved us, we also ought to love each other. I wanna just focus on that little word ought in there. Um, In fact, why don't you circle it in your Bible and draw a little line over to the margin and write in your margin, this is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. This isn't like, you know, you really ought to do that. This is, I'm telling you to do that. This is like, you know, how many of you talk to your kids like this? You want them to brush their teeth and you say, you know, you really ought to go brush their teeth. How do you think they're gonna respond to that? They're gonna think, well, maybe if I feel like it, I'll go do it, you know? <laughs> is that what you meant when you said you, need, you ought to go walk? No, you, what you meant was, Go brush your teeth, okay? Well, that's kind of how this is going here, even though it's translated ought, but I want you to hear something, okay? Because this is not a suggestion, it's a command, but the way that it's written in the Greek and the way that it's translated for us in the Greek means this, it's an obligation to a debt. That's a very specific way to use a word in this. And so you could actually read the passage like this, because God so loves you, You have an obligation to God to love who? Each other. Now you would think God would say, you got, because I so loved you, you have an obligation to love me. 
Mm -mm. Because I so loved you, you have an obligation to me to love each other, to spread that love with each other within the church. Do you see it? We owe it to God. And he sets the expectation for us right here. How we doing? Well, let me just back up. How are you doing on that? Do you set your heart when you come to church every week? Is this what's in your heart? I want to go bless as many people as possible today when I go to church. I want to go and use the spiritual gifts that the Lord has given to me. And I want to invest those gifts as much as I can into as many people as I can when I go to church today. If that's your goal, and if that's in your heart every Sunday when you come to church, well, then you're being pleasing to the Lord and you're obeying his command. But how many times do God's people come into the building Are you okay? Can you handle this? <laughs> I'm just being real with you, okay? How many times do we come in and we come in with this attitude? Somebody better be nice to me today. I really had a bad week. I really need somebody today. I need somebody to build into me today. And if somebody doesn't talk to me today, I'm gonna walk out of there as soon as that thing is over and I'm going away. They better sing songs that I like today. <laughs> Phil better not say anything that offends me today because I'm, I'm in that kind of a mood. Do you see the difference between God's love and what we're all about normally, what our normal natural bent is towards. Our natural bent is towards everybody is, exists to serve me. And what God is trying to get, what, John, what God through John is trying to get to us and into our hearts is, listen, you guys, it's not about you. In fact, if you want to get, then give. Because it is better to give than to receive anyway. But if you will pour out with a measure, with a generous measure of love, selfless, self-sacrificing, you before me, unconditional love for the body of Christ, then you'll receive it. And listen to me, if everybody is doing their part, then no one's being selfish. And now we're in this crazy love cycle in the church where it's like, I'm trying to give to you and I'm trying to love on you. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm not supposed to be here, be here to receive. I'm here to give. And so you're pouring your love on me and I'm like, no, 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 no. I wanna pour out my love on you. And you're like, stop it. I need to pour out my love on you. And we have this kind of love fest going on in the church of Jesus Christ. Everyone trying to outdo each other in serving one another and honoring one another and sacrificially giving of ourselves to meet the needs of each other. What a wonderful place it would be, right? All the time, if we truly got this, if we truly understood what John is trying to say to us here. Do you know what you're doing when you're loving on each other in the church? 
you're taking care of Jesus' bride. You're taking care of his most valued possession. You're taking care of the church, his church that he gave his life for. And he has entrusted the care of his church to you and me. You know, let me take you to Ephesians chapter 5 real quick. Ephesians chapter 5, you know, the husband and wife thing. Where you're starting to read all this stuff about wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the home. Just as Christ is the head of the church and gave himself for her. Oh, by the way, husbands, you need to love your wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, to produce, to purify her through your love. And in the middle of that whole discussion, Paul stops and says, I know, I know, especially you men, I know this marriage thing's a mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and his church. Marriage in and of itself is a picture of Jesus and his bride. And the husband loving his bride, just like Christ did, sacrificially, sacrificing himself to meet the needs of his bride. And within the church, that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking care of the bride of Christ. That's why chapter 5, verse 21 of Ephesians, before all of those illustrations of, of it being in the home with the family or with the mom and the dad, the husband and the wife, you see it with the parents and the children, you see it then with masters and slaves, the whole thing is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what he's talking about here. Love each other sacrificially. Give of yourselves because you're taking care of the bride of Christ. Each one of us entrusted with that care. We owe it to God. And the more we need it, as our world gets more dangerous out there and, and more wicked out there and, and harder and harder to live out there, the more we need to be pouring it out. Pouring it out into each other and into the rest of the world. Look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Your Bible might say love is, made, is perfected in us. I really like that. Is it strange to you that in the middle of a discussion about loving each other, John decides to just pop this phrase in there? No one has ever seen God. Is that interesting to you? What does that have to do with love? It has everything to do with love. No one has ever seen God, okay? And Jesus is gone. Jesus is not on the earth. The only physical manifestation of God's love on the earth and the physical manifestation of God himself and the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth is God's people loving each other. That's what he says here. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives. God's alive. People can see him. You're manifesting God by loving each other and Jesus Christ. In fact, it was Jesus who said, this is how the whole world will know that you're my disciples because of your great love for one another. You notice what they will know? What will the world know? What will the world see? They'll see Jesus. They'll know that you're mine, that you're my followers, that you're my disciples. And so when we love on each other and we have great love for each other that John is talking about here, then we're actually bringing Christ, we're exalting Christ, and we're showing the world Jesus Christ, even though he's not here. And by the way, that's his plan. His plan was to leave the earth, give us his Holy Spirit, empower us by the powerful Holy Spirit of God in us to love each other, to do the thing that is impossible for us to do on our own, 
And when the world sees that, we will show them God. God lives, John says, and we'll show them Jesus. His love is made complete in us when we love each other. It's perfected in us. I came across this in my study. You might want to write it down. It's, it's awesome. Love isn't completed by having it, but by when we give it away. I love that. By the way, let me just say this to you, okay? Um, this is a journey that we're all on. This is a perfecting love. We're all a work in progress, right? Right? Okay, good. That's why it's called progressive sanctification. Our holiness is something that we're growing in every day. How many of you failed this week? Come on. Those of you who did not raise your hand, you just failed. You just lied to the whole congregation and the, and the Holy Spirit of God. We're all failing all the time, right? We, we, we do. We're failing. But what Christians do is they fail and then they get up. They hear the voice of the Lord. That's not the way to go. And we say, you're right. And we repent and we move towards, closer towards God. And this love that we're working on here, this thing that, that John is trying to get into our heads is a work in progress where we're working on humility on a daily basis and we're working on denying ourselves and sacrificing our own desires in order to meet the needs of those around us. I wanna say this again. It's gonna be on the screen again. Love isn't completed by having it, but by when we give it away. There's the message John is trying to get into our hearts. We are so growing in this here, you guys. I, I am so proud of you as a pastor as I see you grow and I see God's love being um, manifested, God's, God's God actually being manifested in the name of Jesus Christ being manifested through your love for each other and for those out in our world. Can I read you a couple of illustrations of that? And I love these stories when they come to me and these, I have many, but I picked these two because they're really relevant for today. Um, but if, you, if, if, if you're working out there and you're doing the things that God is calling you to do and calling on you to do and you have stories, just fire those my way, okay? I, we, we love, we as a staff love to read those things and share in the joy um, the, how God is working through you. But Retta, you know, you, you saw it mentioned um, up here today in the beautiful testimony of Patricia. How awesome is it that God works behind the scenes when we don't know he's working? And um, now Patricia is using her gifts to help young ladies. I mean, that's just a fantastic story. Well, we helped Retta during our season of generosity with their Christmas store. And um, Joni Bradbury, their client services director, wrote this. Um, we were able to provide toys, books, and coloring books for 131 children um, ranging from newborns to teenagers, and this representing about 54 families they were able to help um, this year because we were able to jump in and help them. And the following are some excerpts from their, from their clients who uh, participated in their Christmas store. One family wrote this, because of you guys, my kids will be having a wonderful Christmas. You brought so much joy to so many families. One mom wrote in and said this, I'm grateful to have some gifts to bless my kids with this Christmas. I'm separated and it's been a difficult season, but God is faithful. Did you see how she said God? She gave credit to God. Another wrote in and said, my four girls 
are going to have a great Christmas and I can't wait to see their faces when they open them all. Another family wrote in, thank you so much to everyone who donates to Retta. This is an amazing program. I have learned so much and met lovely people. This place is an answered prayer. Thank you for making this possible. I've been stressed about how I'm gonna buy Christmas gifts for my family and now I don't have to worry. Now this next one I want you to really lean into because it really illustrates what we're talking about here in the passage, okay? Where as we love on each other, God is elevated and the Lord Jesus Christ is elevated. I have four boys that will be so excited and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share with them how thoughtful, selfless, and generous you've been to make this possible. Thanks for being the hands and feet of Jesus. My friends, listen, because we get involved in different partnerships out there in our community, Jesus Christ is being exalted. First Baptist Church isn't being exalted. God's name is. And we're, people are seeing the love of God and they're seeing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and they're being drawn to him because of the work that we're doing by loving our community. Here's one about inside our church. There's an elderly woman who's fairly new to our church and she's suffering with cancer. She keeps trying to attend. She wants to get connected and she keeps trying to attend our journey that we offer to new people in the church and she wants to get connected in the church but her health keeps getting in the way from her being able to attend. Well, she was signed up for the last journey in last fall that we um, made available and when her table captain reached out to her, she let them know that once again her health was going to keep her from attending the journey. So this is the table captain who's just the host during the journey and taking care of the people that are attending the journey. And this host family, this host couple, went to the next level of love. They didn't say, okay, well, I did my part and I checked up on you and you're not coming, catch you later. No, they went to the next level and that couple asked if there was anything that their family could do to help her out. And as a result, they were able to go to her home, take her a meal, helped take down her Christmas tree, put all of her furniture back into place. And when she called in, she was so ecstatic. When she called in to tell us the story, she called in to tell us. This is what she said. She said, I can't stop talking about what a blessing it was that these people would actually come and minister to me in this way. This is what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. This is what John is talking to and trying to get into our hearts. Because we love God, we obey his commands. This isn't natural to us. It's totally a God thing. But this thing that we're talking about is only found among Christians because it is Holy Spirit charged. And therefore, it's the most powerful thing that we possess to show the world who God is, to show the world that he exists, to show the world that he is real. Those who don't know the Lord can experience his love as well as we share it and they'll be drawn to it. Okay, so God makes me love, and that's the commandment that's given to us, but that's not why we do it, right? Right? We don't love each other, right, just because we're commanded to, we're made to. That's not our relationship with the Lord. We love because he first loved us, and because we love him, we've already studied this in the first part of the book, we obey what he asks us to do. So we lovingly obey because we wanna please the Lord. Lesson number three, loving like God requires me to share it. Everybody take a deep breath right now. 
Okay, I need to hear it if it's a deep breath. Everybody take a deep breath right now. Okay, because here we go. Um, God sends me out. Here's what I want you to hear, okay, before we jump into this part of it. We always need to be reminded that our job on the earth is to share Jesus Christ. And every time we go here, some people's minds, sometimes our hearts go, oh, brother, here we go again. You're exactly right. Here we go again. Because we need to remember why we're here on this planet and that loving like God requires me to share the love if I'm going to love like God. He did not hold it back from us. And he sends me out. I want you to understand that God's love is not just for the church. We are commanded, we've been talking about how we love inside the church, but it's gotta go beyond the borders and beyond the walls of this place. Look at verse 13 and 14 of 1 John 4. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. How do you know that you're saved? Remember, we're talking about, will the real Christians please stand up? How do you know that you're saved? Here's one of the reasons, here's one of the ways right here. You know it because you have his Holy Spirit, but you also know it because you have seen him and you testify. That's how we know who the Christians really are. Let's start, start with the first one. How do you know that you're saved? Because you have his spirit. Before you're saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit of God. You don't have him helping you. But as soon as you get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit of God. And his job is, the scripture tells us, the Holy Spirit's job is to be our counselor and to be our guide. And he will teach us and he will empower us to do all that Jesus has commanded us to do. What did we just find out that God commands us to do? to love, and so we have the Holy Spirit that helps us be able to do that. He'll also help us to testify of his love and his grace, and we do that with all authority, and he will even give us, the scripture says, you don't even need to be worried about the words that you need to say. I will give you the words to say. The Holy Spirit will teach you and tell you what to say whenever you need to speak on my behalf. So how do you know that who the Christian, real Christians are? It's those who have the Holy Spirit are the real Christians. But also how do you know who are saved and who's unsaved? It's because those who testify to it are the ones who are really saved. This is where I want you to buckle up and I want you to lock down with me right here, okay? There's no such thing as private faith in the Bible. It's always public. In fact, that's the plan. He saves us to tell about it. You experience it, and then you testify. Do you see that in verse 14? We have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Did you know that Jesus wants your very first act of obedience to him after your salvation to be opening your mouth and testifying that you have found and experienced the love of God? We have seen it, and then we testify to it. Do you get it? Do you see that? You see it with the help of the Holy Spirit because you can't, the scripture's clear, no one can come to me on their own. The Spirit has to draw you, so we see it by the help of the Holy Spirit. You believe it by faith, the scripture says, and that faith that you have to believe is even given to you by the Holy Spirit of God to believe. You receive it through humble repentance of your sins, and then you're supposed to testify about it. You speak it and you share it. I came across this quote, I love it, write this down, put it on the wall of your house somewhere. 
The proof of conversion is public confession. Hmm, really? Really, really. The proof of conversion is public confession. Now let me ask you something, okay? See how smart you are here. What's the very first way to speak the gospel once you're saved? Baptism. The very first way to confess the gospel, that's what some have called baptism, is confessing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said this, go and make disciples, right? That's, right? Is that our job? Come on. You think I'm setting you up. Kinda am, okay? Go and make disciples and then spend the rest of your days teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Is that what the Bible says? No, it did not. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18. Go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey all things. What's the first thing that needs to happen after a person is saved? Baptism. Really? Really, really. Why baptism? Is it all about the water? <laughs> no, not about the water at all. It's about the confession. It's about the testifying. You see it, and then you testify of it. Mark 10, 32 says, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Now, some people teach that baptism is so important that you aren't saved until or unless you get baptized. That's not what the Bible teaches. Here's what the Bible says. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. Can you see the work had already been done in the people's hearts for salvation of the soul? Baptism is the testimony. Baptism is the confession of what has already happened inside. And that work ought to come pouring out of our mouths as soon as we get saved. Glory, I'm saved. The first thing that's supposed to happen in a true believer is I want to tell somebody about it. And God, his Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ said, follow my example and be baptized and begin. The first thing he wants you to do, the first thing Jesus wants coming out of your heart and out of your mouth when you get saved is testifying to what you've experienced. And baptism allows us with that, to do that. All throughout the New Testament, you see the same thing. People were believed, they believed and they were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. Remember Philip and the eunuch? Here's this guy reading the scriptures. And Philip comes alongside of him and says, do you understand what you're reading? Not really. He tells him, he receives the word. And then there's like a, some body of water. And, and the eunuch goes, what keeps me from being baptized? And Philip says, nothing. <laughs> you're saved. That's the only thing you need for baptism is salvation. You just need to be saved. And a testimony of salvation. And baptized, baptism is a public confession of what's already happened in your heart. Remember the Philippian jailer? Remember that story? So Paul and Silas get thrown into uh, jail in Philippi. They were stripped, they were beaten, they were whipped, they were put into stocks and chains down in the dungeon of the basement. And at midnight, Paul and Silas start singing. Okay, now who does that? Only Christians can do that, okay? They start singing in the middle of being whipped and beaten and humiliated and in, in chains. 
And at midnight, while they're singing, the Bible says that all the other prisoners were listening to them singing. There's a great earthquake. The earthquake shakes the foundation of the jailhouse. The doors fall off the hinges and open up. The chains fall off of all the prisoners. And the jailer's freaking out. The jailer goes in and he sees everybody's loose and everything's open. And he thinks, I'm doomed, so I'm going to kill myself. And he takes his sword out to kill himself. And Paul and Silas say, no, 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 no. Don't worry, everybody's still here. That powerful moment, in that powerful moment, the jailer says this, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they responded, get down into the water and be baptized and you'll have all your sins washed away. Eh. Not what the Bible says. Their response was this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And by the way, this goes for all your family too. The guy gloriously gives saves, and what does Paul and Silas immediately do after their salvation? Their wounds were still bleeding. They took them to water and baptized them because it's so important, and the Bible is clear, that the first thing you need to do is confess the Lord Jesus Christ. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, and then you testify. That's what John is saying to us here. Those who are in Christ will see and experience the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they will testify to it. This is the way of true believers. I wanna say it this way. Will the real Christians please stand up and speak up? Thank you, sister. <laughs> She stood right to her feet. That's awesome. Will the real Christians please stand up and speak up? That's what John is saying to us. We've seen and testify of Jesus. Verse 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, then God lives in them and they in God. The first way to be obedient to this command is to be baptized, and biblical baptism is believer's baptism. It comes after your salvation, no matter what you've been taught in the past, which is by immersion in water after your salvation. Again, don't miss it. It's not about the water. And you'd be like, why do you immerse people? It's because the word Baptism is actually a transliteration from the, word, from the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse in water. So that's why we immerse people. But not just that, not just because it was, it, it, it's um, translated out of the original language that way, but it's because of the picture of the death, it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. As we go into the water, it's like we're dying with him from our sins and, and from death, and we raise with him in new life to walk in new life with him as we're resurrected out of the water. It's a beautiful picture. And when we do that, when we go through the baptismal waters, we are testifying that this miraculous work of salvation has already been accomplished inside of us. And so our baptism needs to come right after salvation because then it begins, it trains your heart and trains your mind and begins you on this lifelong journey of testifying to what God has done in your heart, the miracle of faith. And let me pause and ask you something. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's son? I want everyone to answer these questions in your heart, okay? Not out loud, but in your heart. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's son? 
Do you believe that by faith that Jesus died for the sins of all mankind and rose again from the dead? Do you confess that you are a sinner and in need of a savior? Have you humbly repented of your sins to God through Jesus Christ? And have you committed to make Christ your savior and your Lord and to walk with him all the days of your life? If you answered yes to all those questions, praise the Lord. How awesome is that? I wanna ask you one more question. Have you been baptized? Have you taken your first baby step of obedience and entered the waters of baptism to confess your faith, to testify of your salvation? If not, why not? Like, I'm, I'm afraid, I'm, I'm scared. Okay. God will help you with that. The Holy Spirit will help you with that. We'll help you with that. But it's always kind of scary to testify of things, right? It's all, always, for some of us, especially in our personalities, it's always kind of scary. Listen, it's not about being scared. It's about obedience. And in the New Testament, it's people who believed and were baptized. I don't know where the whole gap theory came in. It, you never saw somebody get saved and then eight years later get baptized. Or when I feel like I'm ready to get baptized, I'll get baptized. I got an issue with kids, with some, okay, okay, Phil, stop. I'll just say it this way. It's interesting to me that parents will go, oh, Johnny, I'm so excited that you're saved. And I will trust your decision to be saved, which is your eternal destiny. It has to do with your eternal destiny. But you're not ready to be baptized which has zero to do with your eternal destiny. Baptism does not have anything to do with your salvation. Baptism only is a testimony and a speaking out about what you've already done. And so when our children come to Jesus, come to faith in Jesus, what Jesus wants them to know and to realize is for the rest of your life now, you need to testify of your salvation. And so send those kids into the baptism tank to testify of Jesus Christ and their faith in Jesus, right? Now listen to me. I'm not, I'm not beating on any parents who have a different philosophy, but I just want you to know that the reason we get baptized is that it's a, it's a pattern that Jesus wants us to start right off the bat, testifying of our salvation. Guess what? I have some really good news. If you are saved and you have not yet been baptized, we're opening the baptismal waters next week and you can be baptized. All you need for baptism is faith in Jesus Christ, is a testimony, a salvation testimony to be baptized. And if you have not been baptized, today's your day to make a commitment to the Lord and say, Lord, don't know why I've been holding off on this but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be obedient to what you've asked me to do. And if you wanna do that at the end of the service, what we're gonna do is have you come right up here or you can go to the connection point. If you can't, we may be so flooded up here that you can't get up here. Go to the connection point and just say, I have a testimony of faith in Jesus and I have not been baptized and I want in on the baptism. How fun would it be next week if the only thing we do is hear baptism stories? 
And if we have that many people, that's all we'll do. We'll just stay here and keep on rolling. Just keep on rolling and just do baptisms all, all morning long. Listen, this is what God calls us to do. It's part of the testifying of what we have seen. And that's what he calls us out to do. Okay. Almost done. So remember the puzzle I told you about last week that I was doing? And how I got 1,999 pieces finished and I couldn't find the one and I was freaking out. Remember that? Well, um, I've got good news. I found it. It was like it was like across the room. Somehow it got flung across the room, and it was all by itself, all lonely, upside down, up against the wall. And I'm like, I found it, and it was really awesome because I wasn't really looking for it anymore. I got over it basically, you know, but I was still upset. But as soon as I found it, it was like, yes, there it is, because I hadn't torn the puzzle down yet. You know, like I didn't get mad and tear the puzzle down. I'm like, there it is. And so I laid it on the, on the counter and just let Robin put that last piece in, because she didn't put any of the other pieces. She didn't help me at all with the rest of it. And I got deeply convicted in my spirit last, last week, last Sunday. I'm telling you this story And it's like the Holy Spirit pierced me through and I could hear his voice saying, are you as passionate and as desperate to find those lost souls that need to hear the gospel as you are about the stupid puzzle piece on this puzzle? When was the last time, Phil, you got down on your hands and knees and were frantically, frantically searching the dark places of the world for somebody who's lost and needs to hear about the Lord? And I'm telling you, I am so thankful for the long-suffering of the Lord because the Lord just pierced me through and he said, Phil, you need to change your focus and you need to get back on the horse of the gospel and you need to start proclaiming the gospel more. You need to have a desperate panic in your spirit the way you did for that stupid puzzle piece. You need to have for those that need to hear because Phil, I've called you and I have saved you. I have so loved you not so that you can just be saved and enjoy salvation for yourself, but that you can go proclaim it to everybody else. When you came in today, you were given a wristband and a, and a gospel card that goes along with this wristband. I want you guys to just grab it right now and, and take a look at it. This might be new to some of you, probably not to most of you, but this is um, a tool that we use here. It's called the Revive Bible and Wristband. And we use this tool to share the gospel with people. Sharing the gospel, anybody want to testify that sharing the gospel could be a little intimidating? Okay, I know, I'm the same way. This like took all the intimidation out of it for me because you don't have to like have all the, it's great to have all the verses by memory, okay? But when you get into a situation, you might not be able to, you panic a little bit, you might not be able, this just does it all for you and walks you right through it. 
on how to share the gospel. On this band, there are different colors, and in each color, there is the, the coinciding scripture passage that goes along with the Bible. It starts with sin, which is yellow, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and then the bad news is in the black, Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death, and so black represents death. But there's something wonderful called the love of God that is available for everyone, and God demonstrates his love by sending his son Jesus to die for our sins so that we don't have to die for our sins. And if you have faith to believe in the, the blue, that is by faith, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's not about works, it's about what God has done for us, and by faith we can come to Jesus, and when we come to Jesus, we can have life, which is the green. And it coincides with all the passages in the Bible, and this is a wonderful tool that takes um, the intimidation out of sharing Jesus with you. Now, this has all come from Time to Revive, Kyle Martin and their brilliant team that has come up with this, and Kyle has a two-minute video that I wanna show you right now um, that helps you understand how to use this, and I'll talk a little bit more about it, and then we'll be done. All right, so many have asked, how do you actually equip people to go out and share the gospel? Well, for us, we actually make it, we make it pretty simple. We teach the saints, we equip the saints, asking them, how can I pray for you? So that's the very first question. How can I pray for you? Now, you ready? Listen to them, and then when you're done, just say, hey, do you mind if I pray right now? And then when you're done praying with them, we give them this little colorful wristband, and you say, hey, can I give this to you as a simple reminder that somebody prayed for you. And usually what will happen is they'll look at it and then you just say, you got a couple minutes that I could explain these five colors. They have five words to it. And then what you do is, is you don't just have a stack of Bibles with you. No, you just casually pull a, a Bible out of your pocket or out of your purse and you just say, here I have a Bible. Would you mind reading through this with me? And so what they'll do is, is you look at the, the first yellow and it says Romans 3:23, the first color. And then you give them the Bible and then they put their thumb on number one. And then when they open it up, you're gonna actually ask them, hey, do you mind reading this out loud? Now, it could be dark lighting, it could be small print, and, and just in case they can't read, you just say, hey, you know, it, can you read this okay? Is it okay that you can see this? And if they say yes, then you have them read Romans 3.23, and, and you just simply say, hey, this means sin. Then you go to number two, and you have them open it up again, and the power comes, faith comes by hearing the word. And so you have them read Romans 6.23, so it goes from sin to death, but then you go to number three, and it's Romans 5, 8. And you have them, you have them read Romans 5, 8, which means love. Love takes away the death and the sin. And then you do this through all five verses. You go from the bad news, and you ready for this, all the way to the good news. And you get to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, number 4. You get to the blue color, and you talk to them about the word faith. How when you have faith in what he did for us on the cross, sin and death are gone. And then the fifth and final word... You just say, hey, can you see what it says there? And they say, oh yeah, it's Romans 10, 9 and 10, and he talks about life. Now, here's the best part about all of this. It's based on four words. You love them. As you love them, you listen to what they're saying. And as you're listening to what you're saying, you're asking the Holy Spirit to give you discernment. That's love, listen, discern. And then you can respond with the gospel. And so then you can just simply ask, hey, is there anything keeping you from placing your trust in Christ? And if they say no... And you just say, would you like to surrender your life to the Lord? Because when you do, the orange tab, it's not on your wristband. You can then begin to explain what it means to have a new life in Christ. This is not just a checklist saying, oh yeah, by the way, I want to say yes to Christ. It's I'm surrendering my life to Him as Lord and Savior. And our job is just simply to deliver the good news.
Now that was like on, on speed right there, you know? That, that, that's like a, a fast overview of how to use this. If you go to, we have this um, QR code that you can go to right here. If you click on that QR code, and we also have this on our website that will link to take you there, um, you can actually, it'll take you right to a series of six different lessons, short video lessons on how to take somebody through every one of those individual points of the gospel and takes you into deeper um, uh, knowledge of all of that. Now, I know we're, we're, we're way over time and everything else, okay? Here's what I want to say to you. We love using this tool, but this isn't the only tool that you can have. The best tool you have is your own personal testimony. You have seen and experienced the Lord Jesus Christ, so now go testify about it. This is just to help you take people through the word. And um, we have these Bibles available um, but what I want you to understand is the way, the way that we, we see this is, um, did you know that when somebody dies in our church, um, instead of sending flowers to the funeral that costs like 50, 60 bucks for a bouquet of flowers, we send them a rose, a single rose with a card that says, in your honor, in your loved one's honor, we have purchased 10 revived Bibles that hopefully someone would share the gospel and because of your death in memory of you, um, somebody might get saved. And we do that, and we have these Bibles on hand, and I want to get them into your hand, but they're not tracks. You don't just pass it out, like here, you know. Hopefully you get saved. That's not how it works, okay? If you take one of these Bibles, spend some time with somebody, and the way we do it is just go up to someone and say, hey, can I pray for you today? If you know that the Lord's laying this person on your heart, then go up to them and say, hey, I'm praying for people today. I'd like to pray for you. You got anything to pray about? And yes, you do. You have lots of things to pray about. <laughs> Most of the time, people will say, absolutely, actually, yes, I do. It shows that you care and you're loving on people, okay? And you spend some time praying with them. And then afterwards, you can say, can I share something with you that's represented on this wristband? Can I share something with you that changed my life? It'll only take a couple of minutes. And have the opportunity to share Christ with them. If you want one of these Bibles, you want to take one of these. Remember we talked last week, how awesome would it be if every single one of us just told one person and just spent some time with the Bible showing somebody how to be saved. Man, what could God do through that and with that? So here's our action points for today. Two things, okay, when we get done. As everyone's racing out to the back, if you need to be baptized, you come up to the front, all right? And what we're gonna do is set you down with somebody and you just like share your testimony with them, like what you would share with the congregation that we're gonna sign you up to be baptized next week. If you can't do it next week and you still want to be baptized, we do this every month. We have baptism or more than that if we need it. So you just come on up anyway and let us know. If you want to get a Bible, just come on up here when everyone's going and grab a Bible and then take it out and then share the story with us about how you helped share Christ with somebody. Let's stand together and let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, um, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who had patience to sit through all of that this morning. I pray that this word going out would spark life into us and excitement about sharing the love of Jesus Christ with not only each other, but with a world that desperately needs you. So go before us now as we go and um, bless my brothers and sisters till we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, love you.